This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a Substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you sign up for dispatches. There are different price options, five quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substack.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Oh, shit. You listen to James McMahon Music Podcast. And I'm your host, James McMahon. And this is a Spook Media Production. My understanding from Dr. Cusimano, your family physician, is that you collapsed, possibly a panic attack. You were unable to breathe. They said it was a panic attack because all the uh, blood work and the neurological work came back negative. And they sent me here. You don't agree that you had a panic attack? (sighs) How are you feeling now? Good. Fine. Back at work. What line of work are you in? Waste management consultant. Parkway Drive played London last night. I couldn't make it, but I did manage to grab Frontman Winston McCall for a pre soundcheck chat about the worrying statement that led to their cancellation of their North American tour earlier this year. The relentless nature of being in a band has given us very little time to reflect on who we are as individuals, who we want to be, and the toll it is taking on ourselves and our friendships, they wrote. And then, three months later, came album seven, Darker Still. What's going on there? Record away. Well, listen, so uh, so where were you, Alexander Palace? The third level of Ali Pali at one of the rooms in the, the Pali. Yeah. Is, is, there, uh, is there three floors? I think so. Or at least there is backstage. It's a, it's a nightmare to traverse this joint. Um, big old room, but a lot of room around oh. it, a lot of staircases to get lost in. That's blowing my mind, that actually. Um, it's weird when you get to... Uh, when you get to- venues you know i've been doing this so long that you're like oh that's where the dressing room is or that but i'm, I'm not i'm not sure i have any idea how ali pali is laid out it's a uh, highly underwhelming oh, really? <laughs> okay <laughs> well, it, it's, it's fine next time around you're going to be wembley anyway so you don't even have to go back there ever again oh yeah yeah you don't even have to go back to ali pali eh? yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually i'm not at the show but i am going tomorrow to watch ice hockey Oh, nice! Yeah, in the then you have many talents. Yeah, no, in the in the other room. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about music. Um, <laughs> so, I guess where I kind of wanted to start really was, um, you know, I was quite concerned when you know you put that statement out that 
basically mm-hmm. you needed a break. Um, but then it felt like very quickly you kind of got back on the horse. What was what was going on there? Um, yeah, it was dis- um, I'm going to say disconcerting. I mean, you it would be um, because basically what happened was we wrote and finished the album, um, and then had to deal with basically the fallout of like everything that we'd come to terms with with that, um, which meant essentially we had an album ready to go um, and in the works and everything like that and all of the tours and stuff booked, uh, but we obviously knew we had work to do um, and that's kind of how it rolled out. So we're like, okay, how do you do this as a band? How do you keep it honest with the people who like the fans who are invested in this band, but also basically not just throw the baby out with the bathwater because it's like, we were very happy with the, the album itself. It's just that it, it obviously brought a lot of stuff to a head, which has been there for a long time, which we didn't really realize. We didn't realize it was there and we didn't know how to deal with it. And we needed to get people outside of the band to help us um, progress as people and as to, to get us back on the right track as, um, as people and as a band. So the whole thing was, yeah, we like when we're putting out the statement, especially we're like, we're going to put this out and then there's going to be a single coming in like a month, but this is kind of the only way you can do it. <laughs> but it says, essentially like we're like, we have to be honest about the fact that this is happening. But at the same point in time, like we, we don't just want to scrap everything. We're just, we're not in a position to scrap everything. Essentially like the, the American tour had to get canceled so we could get our, get our lives together, which was frustrating. But um, we're like, we're all going to commit to making sure this actually counts for something if we're going to scrap a tour. So we're not going to scrap anything other than that at this point. So Do that's you, kind of the way it rolled out. I'll be honest with you. I can't actually think of a band. I can't actually think of a, a rollout uh, of any band. I, I, I can't ever remember anything like this kind of happening before, really. <laughs> Uh, so, so well done on that first. Cheers. <laughs> um, if you if you hadn't have had this record done, do you think you would have gone away for a while? No, I don't think so. Because essentially, what had happened was the the making like the making of this record was essentially the straw that broke like the camel's back, and it made us confront a bunch of stuff which we had essentially been putting off for several years. Um, And through putting all of this stuff off, it had made the communication within the band um, get to a state where it it just wasn't functional. Like it really wasn't functional. Like bad communication had managed to coalesce into resentment, which once you're in that stage, like none of the communication works. Um, So I think if like... It would have happened like this stage. We would have reached that stage stage eventually had the album had us had we not created an album. But I mean, I think we would have got here eventually anyway. It was something basically we we'd all tried to deal with these these issues within the band like several times over the years before. But because of the way that the, the band cycles operate, like basically we put work and band commitments before personal growth and dealing with any kind of like trauma or issues or anything like that we just were like okay we'll have a quick chat and then essentially it's a band-aid on it so you can get back on the road and you can keep going um and this was the time where i was like we had so much time off that we just we we worked and created an album but by the time it was done the the feelings had solidified so much that it, there wasn't a going back on the road option 
It was like, if you do go, go back on the road, it's literally not going to function. Like, it's going to explode. Right, so, right. Yeah. I'm a big believer that sometimes uh, situations need outside help. I guess, I guess the... Uh, I guess the only real reference point I can kind of think of with music, though, is, uh, you know, someone coming into the studio with Metallica. And when you say outside help, what, what do you mean by that? So basically what it was, like, we, we were at a point after doing the album where we were like, we have to talk about some stuff. Like, there's, there's personal issues and band issues that have been in the background for so long that we have to talk about this. It's become something that's... Um, that's so pertinent that we can't go on without talking about it. And when we sat down to talk about it, um, everyone would have their say, but essentially the way it would work would be someone would say something and then someone would say, yes, but here's mine. And then someone else would go, yes, but here's mine. Here's my issue and here's my issue. And you wouldn't listen to each other. Like you wouldn't listen to each other and you wouldn't be honest with any of it. You just were kind of resentful and protective and the walls were up so from so many years of being stoic and strong that. Um, it, none of it got through. Um, and luckily, Luke was, who manages us, was um, able to go, we, this isn't working. We need someone from outside this dynamic to come in and help, help us communicate. And um, luckily, everyone else was up for that as well. And that's basically where it started. And where it started was like us being able to sit down and acknowledge other people's existence within the band, essentially, and the work that they do. Truly right. actually acknowledge it rather than just be in survival mode. And then from there, unwinding essentially 20 years of being in that, that dynamic. Um, because it was never born out of maliciousness or anything. But when you essentially handle most of the band's work within the band, um, you take on a lot of stuff. And you're kind of taught to take it on and just be strong and don't really tell anyone how it's affecting you or anything like that. If you're, if you're going through that alone. I mean, it's already isolating being a band itself. Like you're isolated in an isolated situation, um, and that it's not a, a good way to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people who worked with you had they worked with other musicians before, or was it a new experience? Um, yeah, well? it was like our our, our counselor slash therapist Shane. I'm not sure he's he's a musician himself. He's just a local guy, and we just like he was recommended, I think, or or Luke found him, and he just gelled with us really, really, really well. Um, and it hasn't been so much about like him understanding a lot of the validation has been the fact that he is someone that hasn't been in a touring band. So when you, when someone is given the time to explain our life and what we've been through and someone's finally opening up about actually, you know what, this is what I've been through over 20 years. I'd never like felt comfortable enough to tell the rest of the band how I felt about all of this, that he's able to sit back and go, that's a lot. Like, I don't know what that's like. And to me, that sounds like an incredible weight to bear. Mm. Um, I want to let you know that that is real. Like, what you're going through is a real reaction and a valid place to to come from because it's not someone just going, yeah, but every band does that. Like, yeah. How many people have bands in the world? How many people can you relate to? Like, doing the same thing as you. There's My closest friends and family don't even understand what it's like to live this life. <laughs> so yeah something having someone from outside has actually been the i think one of the most key things for us yeah no it's weird it's funny i i've been doing a load of uh sort of soul searching about my time in the music industry recently i'm i'm, I'm writing a book and i've been speaking to 
people who have no experience of that world at all and things that I just thought were normal, like mm-hmm. transpire that they're really not. <laughs> transpire really not that like, no, yeah. totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. And it, and it has an effect. Like it's a, it has a massive effect to be that disconnected from, I mean, it affects every part of the way you think, act and feel because yeah. it's like you're, you're essentially isolated in a, in your own little world on your own little path. Uh, I'm not going to pry, obviously, about band stuff because it's it's your business. But yeah, when when you've been doing press, have people been respectful, or have they wanted to know the stuff really that should kind of be kept? Oh, we're, we're 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 being very open with all of this. That was actually yeah. one of the things, especially with the with the first statement that we put out. We were like, "All right, we're going through something. How do we want to deal with this?" Because like. You do see, we've all seen statements before of like, someone's going through some personal things and has to step away a little bit. And plenty of the time, you know, that's like, it's code for something else. Yeah. Um, And we wanted to set an example, basically. We wanted to set an example of honesty and take the situation for what it was. Like we have, um, we've all lost a lot of friends to uh, depression and suicide over the years. Um, And we're all like, we're all in an industry, very male-dominated industry with very ingrained stereotypes and that, that aren't necessarily help, healthy. And we wanted to put out something where we're like, all right, we're going to be straight up and honest about the fact that we need help um, and we're going to talk about it, what's going on with us in a very open way so hopefully other people can feel confidence in doing that themselves as well because at the end of the day, like what we're doing is it shouldn't be something that's – strange or different or something that's reserved for crisis moments for people in unique situations like this is something everyday people should just feel validated in doing being able to talk to someone about what they're going through not feel like they have to do it themselves not feel like they can't be vulnerable or that helping someone is a sign of weakness or anything like that so we just wanted to basically be open with it so every interview basically no matter what someone's asking, it seems like they're getting a pretty straight answer, to be, to, to be honest. And it's not, it's not like people have been disrespectful or anything. It's just it depends how much they want to ask. Good, good. Well, I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I've only met you a handful of times, but one thing I've always thought when I've met you is how, uh, how well-rounded you appeared. Oh, almost, almost to the extent of this guy doesn't feel... And, and the other members of Partway have met as well. Like, almost like this guy doesn't feel dysfunctional enough to be in a band, if that makes sense. <laughs> do you think, well, do you think that's accurate, but also do you think that that's maybe one of the reasons why you've ended up at this point? Yeah, I think it's more the second one, right. to be honest. Like, it's, uh, it's interesting because there was, there, there's a bunch of aspects to my, my personality which are very, very strong, which are, which obviously shine shine through, which people people connect with and people see. Um, but personally, I found it really really challenging, like for the first several weeks of doing this work, because um, other people in the band were having these massive revelations as to like their paths in their life and how it wasn't what they expected, and their perception of self, and like having these big shifts in their life. And I found myself going through, sitting there for session after session, and just going but I'm just the same. Like everything you're telling me is just, I'm exactly who I am and I can't figure out why, 
any of this action or anything's happened around me or why why people see me in the way I do if they still just see me as this well-rounded person. And it wasn't until um, quite deep in, in it that um, Jeff, who was, I was having the most problem with communication, was like, you're an incredibly intense human. And when, like, when your mood changes and you go dark, like you can change the weather in a room in like an instant. And it was a massive shock to me um, because all of the band agreed and they're like, when that happens, we I just feel like we need to leave you alone and hit space. And personally, it's been the exact opposite feeling. I'm like, that's me like collapsing in on myself and me needing help. And basically, my entire life has been spent with almost the opposite perception of the impact that I'm having on people around me. And when you have a revelation like that happen, you're like, fuck, like it explains so much, so many questions that you have had about why you are the way you are and how relationships play out and all of the reasons that uh, like so many puzzle pieces fell into place. Um, So it's not so much about me being dysfunctional and well-rounded or anything like that. It's more the fact that there's more facets to it than necessarily even I truly understood Um, because it comes down to the way other people perceive you as a person and and that, and that like dictates how they act towards you. Yeah, I, I find that stuff really interesting. I, I find that stuff really interesting, but I also wonder whether, um, well, it's it's just so hard. I think, <laughs> say this is a person who's growing all the time. <laughs> I, I, it's so hard to work out whether you're wrong or whether you're just not compatible with someone else. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure, hundred percent. And it's not it's not so much. I think the thing is about. It, it's about figuring out not necessarily wrong or or right, but acknowledgement of another person's viewpoint, another person's just existence and the way they are, the, like why they are the way they are. And, that, and all of this stum- stuff just comes from communication and vulnerability. Uh, and And from that grows understanding because at the end of the day, it is understanding. It's understanding why someone is the, the, way, the way they are. And, um, and taking them on that, on that essentially, and that does come down to how much they're willing to let you in. And I mean, we didn't let each other in. Like that was the thing. We really didn't. For all of the the community that we had within the band, there was a lot of protectiveness because that's just the way we grew up. We grew up like we literally grew up tearing each other down as a way of of unity. Like we're like we are all equal at the bottom. We're all equal as nothing. Don't strive for anything. Don't think you're anything. Don't don't have an ego because you're a wanker if you got an ego. Yeah, uh, you will be equal if you're nothing, <laughs> and uh, that doesn't necessarily lead to the most most positive growth. Well, I'm 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 pleased. It's really good to hear this. You know, like um, I like I say, I think you know, as something as someone who thinks and feels a lot myself, I sometimes do yearn for to not be able to to not be like that. Like sometimes when I look. A more sort of anarchic time in rock and roll, and I, I think, oh, maybe I would have found that easier because I wouldn't be forced to think and feel so much. But at the same time, I do think that the experiences you have in life are richer if you are built like that. And, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and like, and and I, I do also see, like, I look at the history of rock and roll as well, and you know, like, and I look at the music industry in general, which provide, like, I feel it's provided very few pathways at least up until recently to even approach any kind of mental health um 
like aspect in terms of like the way the industry functions. Um, but it's the first place that will give you something to distract you or numb you from anything that you're that you're going through through these weird things. Like it's look at the history of rock and roll. It's like it's drugs and and sex and alcohol and self destruction. And it's the place where lives get lost and things get ruined and and <laughs> like that's literally the poster for the for the, the anarchic ways of this of this this music industry and you wonder how much of that is there because people just don't know how to cope so they'd rather just wash it away with something else yeah it's an interesting time i feel like i feel like everything we know is being ex- re-examined and that's really good yeah, at, at, at the same time i also sort of I also really want music to be a place for non-conformists. And, oh, 100%. Uh, I know. mean, that's like, that I think there's a difference, there's a difference between um, non-conformity and, and health and, and growth because I think health and growth is a personal thing which every, every, every being on the planet goes through and I don't think it necessarily has to do with conforming to, to any anything in particular i think it's about self-awareness and understanding and i think understanding it's is, is at the core of everything because if you don't understand something there's nothing really to rebel against in the first place you're just rebelling against a giant question mark so i think <laughs> <laughs> just just promise me uh, just promise me you won't like i don't know start a cult or anything yeah no nah, no nah, it's not like that it's not at all no we are no nah, this is no. all yeah. <laughs> Don't go and start a cult, all right. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I always think that, uh, I think everything seems great. I just didn't quite know how to get out. I didn't, I couldn't work out the transition from, uh, uh, from real worthiness. I was like, how am I, yeah. how, how am I going to, how am I, I going to get out of this? Yeah. To, What's to ra- the segue? <laughs> exactly. Before, before wrapping it up. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about music at all, and I know you've got to go sound check, so maybe another time. But one thing I really liked about the record was that you get a credit for whistling. <laughs> um, yeah, boy. <laughs> can you can you uh, can you whistle me something? Can I whistle? What what do you, what do you want? Oh, uh, what about the? Do you want the actual whistle from the? Yeah, from you can the... do that. Yeah, do that. I'll see, I'll, I'll see if I can. Wait, I'll wet my lips a little. That's a good whistle, man. Strong. Yeah, of course it is. It made it on the album. Oh, amazing, man. Did, how, did you have to practice it much? Um, not so much, to be honest. But I, I, you know what? I actually did. I actually practiced it a ton, but not for the record. It's this damn thing. Like as soon as Jeff showed us that in the demo, you can't not whistle it. Right. But you can't. You can Once that melody's in your brain, you just walk around doing it. So, so when it came recording time, like uh, it was like, all right, give me a crack at it. Of like I've done it enough Amazing. that I think I can do it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not that I sat there and was like, "Give me a couple of days to learn it." I'd already done it several thousand times by that point. Winston, thanks so much for having a chat. I hope your show tonight is awesome, and I'm sure we'll cross paths again at some Here's point. James, I hope, I hope it wasn't too deep for you. No, that's it was right. great, man. It was great. Deep, deeper the better. That's a yeah, weird way. Cheers, that's, brother. that's a weird Where's way it? to. That's a weird way to end things. Um, <laughs> all right, see you later, dude. Well, that was episode 64. Thanks to Winston for the chat. 
thanks to Emma Van Dyke for hooking us up. The theme tune is by the band Jobbers. And I'll see you soon. Ba 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 